Good morning, everyone. Welcome. How many of you are bleary-eyed this morning? Yeah, we lost an hour of sleep. It was mighty dark when I got up this morning, but uh, we're glad that you're here today. I'm looking for anybody that's coming in for a few mom- in a few moments for uh, Sunday school. So, 
Uh, we'll know them when they come in. But we're glad that you're here today. We welcome you. We're glad uh, uh, to be together and share this time of worship together. And we welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us. And, and I hope you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you wouldn't mind to take those and fill them out so we could have a record of your attendance with us this morning. If you would do that, we would certainly appreciate it. And especially if you'd like to be on our email newsletter, please put your email address on there. It's a great way to keep up with the activities and and opportunities here at Community Baptist Church, of which we have a number uh, coming up. First of all, let me me thank our youth for a great uh, breakfast this morning. Thank you, youth. You did a great job, and uh, it was delicious, and we're grateful for that. And our youth will be uh, meeting at 6 o'clock uh, this, this evening, 6 o'clock, right, this evening for some games and pizza and things like that, just some activities. So uh, I'll be here at 6 and uh, share that time together. We have Runway Red that's coming up on Saturday. Um, we're, we're hosting it here at Community Baptist. This is a fundraiser for Matthew 25. It's a lunch and a uh, fashion show. And it's a lot of fun, and, uh, and they deck this place out, folks. You ought to see it. So uh, come and be a part of that. I think we have some tickets in the office, and uh, if you'd like to purchase a ticket, just let us know, and we can, we can have that for you. Also, the uh, Kentucky Baptist Fellowship Spring Gathering is April the 22nd and 23rd at Campbellsville University, and we invite you to come and be a part of that. Uh, I, I want to give you a little hint, a little uh, heads up. Uh, Soon, if everything goes as we expect, it will no longer be Kentucky Baptist Fellowship. It will be Cooperative Baptist Fellowship Kentucky. We are changing the name. We're rebranding, so to speak. So uh, that will take place, I think, on April the 22nd and 23rd during our spring gathering. We, we invite you to come. It's always an in- inspirational time. Um, the speaker will be Karen Thomas-Smith. Uh, who is a friend of mine from Louisville. She is a missionary. Well, no, you can't really call her a missionary. She is a a pastor and an evangelist in Morocco and a great person. I'm trying to get her to come here to preach. I haven't worked it out yet, but we're we're working on that. Also, we will be uh, joining... uh, First Christian and Zion UCC again. You know, we did this on on Ash Wednesday and had a wonderful service that evening. We will be doing that again on Good Friday, the night of Good Friday. That's March the 25th at 6.30. We will be joining them at Zion UCC for a Tenebrae service. Now, some of you are going, what? How do you spell that? Uh, Tenebrae is Latin for dark or shadows. And this is a service where we extinguish candles, and it gets progressively darker during the service. And it's in remembrance of Christ's time on the cross, the time leading up to the cross, and uh, Christ's time on the cross. It's kind of a visual reminder of that. And, uh, and, and it's a very moving, moving service. So we, we invite you to come and be a part of that on, um, on Good Friday. That's March the 25th. At Zion UCC. Now, Mary, I think Mary has a, an announcement that she would like to make. I, I, I'm pleading. This is not an announcement. This is a plead. Um, uh, my mom, um, Audie Rye, as some of you know her, 
um, is currently in um, the Lucy Smith King Care Center um, under respite care, um, <clears throat> but she is progressing and needs a hospital bed in her room, which means I need to move out her queen-size bed. I need to get it out so that we can get the hospital bed in, and so I need some help getting that bed out, um, getting it torn down and loaded up and taking it to my house, which is two blocks around the corner. Um, if we could do that today, tomorrow, or Tuesday, whenever is convenient for three or four of you strong guys with a truck, um, I would be most grateful so that we can, so that hospice can get her um, hospital bed in. So if you will see me after church so we can arrange that, I would be forever, ever grateful. Thank you. I'm not making Chris Hopwood. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, bet you, I'll bet you we'll have that taken care of. I, I, I nominate Larry McDowell <laughs> on his little scooter over there with his bummed up feet. <laughs> Welcome back, Larry. We're glad you're here. Let's stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord. Let's uh, share this time of fellowship with one another for just a moment. Chris Hopgood, I volunteered you for 2.30 this afternoon, okay, a after the game. we got a group of guys, so everybody, thank you.
Please pray with me. Most holy God, we gather in your name this morning to bring you our prayers and petitions, to sing your praises and to hear and study your word. We confess our sin and accept by faith your promised forgiveness. Thank you, O God, for this Lord's Day, for bringing your, your people into a preview of your kingdom, for giving us this foretaste of your glory. We know that we cannot fully understand the nature of your established kingdom, but on this day we know that it's a wonderful thing beyond belief. But as we wait, according to your will, we are mindful of our responsibilities and our duties. You have not created us to be idle. You gave us responsibility to care for your creation. And we ask that you equip us for that task. Sanctify the vocations that you have called us to and encourage us as we do them for you. We pray for our nation and her leaders that they would follow after justice and righteousness. We pray for those who suffer from poverty and struggle each day just to put bread on their tables and to keep a roof over their heads. Raise up your church, O oh God, to deeds of faith and generosity. And we pray for your church that the goals on which we focus are in line with your will and that we do not lose, our, uh, lose focus on our primary task, which is the proclamation of the good news. Let us indeed tell the good news. Grant us your wisdom and discernment, strength for the day, faith in times of trouble. And we pray that we all would grow into the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, doing good works to his glory. And that we will be strengthened to press on toward the goal that you have set before us. The goal of constantly pursuing your kingdom. May it be, dear God. Amen.
Lord. Philippians 3, 8 through 14. More than that, I regard everything as lost because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of the resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death. If somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead, not that I've already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Come on down, children. When I was talking to Rachel about doing this children's sermon this past week, uh, we didn't quite agree on some things, and so I said, well, why don't you do it? She said, okay. <laughs> Kidneys. I wish you wouldn't have played that song. I do not like that song. I've heard it way too many times. Right? He's like, he's over here going. (laughs) Do you have any clue why? Why do you think? What is she talking about when she says, let it go, let it go. The past is in the past. What do you think she's talking about? Well, I've got a quick little story. I'm going to read you. Have you ever heard of Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus? It's a really quick, quick, short story. No pun intended, but it's a very short man. (laughs) All right, it says Zacchaeus was a tax collector and was very rich. Okay, so he was rich because he pretty much took people's money. Um, And he wanted to see Jesus, but he was a short man. He could not see Jesus because of the crowd, because he was so small and the crowd was a lot bigger. So Zacchaeus ran and climbed a tree. Jesus reached the spot where Zacchaeus was and said, Zacchaeus, you come down at once. I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus came down and welcomed him gladly. Well, I know a cute little song that I used to sing when I was your age, and it was, 
It was. It went like this. It went. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in that sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And he said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. Well, we're talking about um, the scripture that Chris just read. It's talking about, it's in Philippians, and it's talking about how um, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter um, to the church saying that you should leave your past in the past. Um, and that you should, if it's if it's bad things that happened in the past, you should leave it in the past because it takes over. Um, it is um, leave the worldly things in the past because we're it's holding us back from our spiritual growth. So if bad things in the past are in your way, then they won't allow you to grow spiritually with God. And so, like on Frozen, when she says, "Let it go, let it go," the past is in the past. She's talking about leave the past in the past. Don't bring it with you. You need to be able to move. Um, spiritually with God. And um, as your great-great-grandparents would say, accentuate the positive. <laughs> that is a big word, Miss Rachel. What does accentuate mean? Do you have any idea? It's a big word. It means to kind of focus on the positive. So if you see something positive, you want to, like, look for that. Then it says, eliminate the negative. There's another big word, Miss Rachel. You're throwing all these big words at me. I am little. What, is, what does eliminate mean? Huh? You know what eliminate means? Eliminate means to get rid of. Get rid of the negative. Okay? And then don't mess with Mr. In-Between. So you just, you, you're done with the negative, you don't mess with the stuff in between, and you, and you focus on the positive stuff. So you think of the good things. Um, so in the um, scripture, it also talks about how he um, says, you know, if you leave your past in the past and you just be able to focus on the good things, then you can grow with God. So, maybe we should play Frozen again as we leave. <laughs> All right, so what are we going to do? We're going to do what with the past? The past is in the past. Yeah, we're going to let it go. Let it go. Let, get a, let go of all the bad stuff. Don't bring it with you. Okay? So you can grow. Be positive. All right. Thank you. Let it go.
morning. May we have a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you with grateful hearts, knowing we have faith that you accept us just as we are. You are a merciful God who has provided us with many blessings. Please use these tithes and offerings to be a great blessing to many others. We ask this in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen.
Very nice. Thank you, choir. I've already uh, <clears throat> been hearing some folks uh, questioning me about how long my sermon's going to be today. I think there's a basketball game or something going on, and I, I promise you I'll have you out by one. <laughs> Uh, Paul Powell, in his book titled uh, The Complete Disciple, describes a painting by a famous artist depicting a wagon train in the Old West. Nighttime has fallen and uh, the wagons have circled for protection. And in the center of the circle, there's a campfire and a group of rugged men are gathered around it. And the wagon master, a muscular man with a scraggly beard, has a map spread out before him. And there's there's a a heavy black line kind of zigzagging across the map showing the course that they have taken so far. They veered north for part of the way and then south, but their, their main direction was always west. Evidently, There had been an argument in this uh, painting about which way to go next, but the wagon master has one finger placed on the end of the black line. With his other arm, he is pointing towards some dark, hazy mountains in the distance. And he seems to be saying, we may have to go south around a mountain or north across a river, but our direction will always be west. That is how they reach their destination, by always moving westward. And I think we can learn something from this painting and from the the westward, westward pioneers of that day. You see, one of the secrets of a successful life is to have your eyes fixed upon a goal. And then to pursue that goal with all of your heart. Just as those early pioneers were determined to go westward, every person who makes a difference in our world has his or her eyes fixed on a worthy goal. The Apostle Paul was one of those people. He was one of the most influential people who ever lived. And one reason that he was so effective was that his eyes were firmly fixed upon a goal that simply could not be surpassed. Listen to his words. I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Or in frozen jargon, the past is past. (laughs) You know? I consider everything a loss. I consider them garbage, he says. That I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ Jesus, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the, the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead, 
I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What a beautiful statement of Paul's passion for serving Christ. This is why Paul has helped so many people over the past 2,000 years. You see, he knew what was really important in life, and he gave himself completely to accomplishing it. And here's the thing. Many people today live ineffective lives because they do not focus on what is important, what is most important. My friends, one of the most important lessons of life involves setting and maintaining priorities, putting first things first. You see, without priorities, the the athlete fails to win the prize. And without priorities, couples fail to achieve marital happiness. Without priorities, financial goals go unmet and businesses go bankrupt and churches become stagnant and their ministries Without priorities, students fail to make their grade and dreams remain unfulfilled. Parents falter in raising their children properly. Priorities are important in our lives, in anything that we pursue. E. Stanley Jones, in his book titled Conversions, tells, about, uh, tells us that when people first started voting in India, the world's largest democracy over 200 million potential voters there, many of the voters were illiterate. And so they got over this by placing the ballot boxes in a row with a a symbol on each box representing the various parties, and they had a whole lot of parties. And this way, even those who could not read, they knew who they were voting for. But one man, says Jones, tore his ballot in small pieces and dropped a piece in each ballot box. (laughs) He thought he was voting for all ten parties, but what he didn't realize was that in doing so, he actually was voting for no one. My friends, only a certain amount of time and energy and material resources are allotted to each one of us. And so in order to become effective in our work, in our homes, and in our communities, we need to set our priorities. Otherwise, we become like that cowboy who jumped on his horse and rode off in all directions. Or the voter who tried to vote for everyone. He got nowhere. And neither do we when we don't set priorities for our lives. We find ourselves moving from one triviality to another. There was an interesting news story about a a year ago about a photo making its rounds on Instagram. Uh, Can we get that up on the screen there? There it is. There it is. It it, it shows the top half of a a humpback whale breaching the surface of the water. A beautiful, beautiful image. But look at what's happening in the background. We have this guy sitting in a sailboat glued to his cell phone. And what makes this so interesting is that man, the man is just a few feet away from the spot where the whale is surfacing right next to him. He doesn't even seem to notice. And the photographer, Eric Smith, um, took this near Redondo Beach, California, which is an area known for whale watching. And we don't know if the man's intention was whale watching or not, but if it was, he missed the whole thing. 
And Smith said that he snapped about five pictures of whales with the same boat in the background of each of his pictures. And in each image, this guy is staring at a cell phone, not the whales. What a true metaphor of many people's lives. We focus on things that that don't really matter that much, while the important things, the, the, the really neat things, we're missing out on. And they go unattended. My friends, most successful people have a plan for their lives. And at the top of that plan is that which is the most important. We're told that when um, football coach Bobby Bowden played baseball, he actually played baseball in college. We're told that when he played baseball in college, he never hit a home run. He never hit a home run. In fact, his senior year at Howard College, he was the only player not to hit a home run. He said that one day he hit a, a long line drive against Auburn, and as he approached third base, his coach was waving him on in, and as he made the turn, he heard his third base coach said, but hurry. <laughs> and when he touched home plate, The team was ecstatic, slapping him on the back, shaking his hand, giving him high fives. He he had finally scored a home run, and meanwhile, no one noticed the first baseman yelling for the catcher to throw him the ball. And when he caught the ball and stepped on the base, the umpire called, out. When Bobby Bowden ran so joyfully around the bases, looking forward to his first home run, he failed to touch first base. And so his one home run was negated. Maybe that's why he coaches football. (laughs) Anyway, you probably can imagine the advice that he later told his own players about his experience. If you don't take care of first base, it doesn't matter what else you do. You see, successful living is about taking care of the things that matter the most. And I want that to sink into you so much so so that I want to challenge you to do something this afternoon. I want you to go home, and I want, uh, after the basketball game, okay, go watch the basketball game. But after the basketball game, I want you to go home, I want you to sit down, I want you to make a list of the five things in your life that are really critical to you. And ask yourself, where does your spouse fall on that list or your significant other? What about your children, your work, your responsibilities to your church and your community? Where does your faith fall on this list? And then realistically ask yourself, take a look at the list that you've drawn up and ask yourself, how does your weekly schedule reflect your priorities? Will your priorities help you make that kind of uh, make you the kind of person that you really want to be? It's a good exercise to have. There was a, a freshman at Amherst College who put the letter V above the door of his dormitory room when he moved in. It was his first day of, of, of uh, at school, 
And because of that V hanging over his door, he endured all kinds of ridicule, uh, but, but he paid no attention to it, nor would he ever disclose the secret behind that letter. And then four years later, when gradu- graduation day arrived, this student was chosen as valedictorian of his class. Valedictorian. <laughs> and that's when the mystery of the V was revealed. Valedictorian. That letter on his door was a constant reminder to him for four years of the ideal that he set for himself. He was determined to be the valedictorian. So what letter would you put over your door to remind you of what your life is all about? Might be a good idea to do that. You see, life is about focus. It's about determination. You don't have to go to a motivational seminar to learn that. Most of us have already learned it, but we simply need to be reminded of that from time to time. Steve, uh, Steve Goodyear tells the story of Fred Lebo. I don't know if you are familiar with Fred Lebo or not. It seems that Fred complained to his doctor one time that he lacked energy, and so his doctor told him he needed to get some exercise and advised him to take up running. And when he did, Fred discovered a new love. He was, this was something new to him, and he fell in love with running from the very beginning. He was 39 years old when he entered his first race, and the only contestant that he beat was a 72-year-old man. But he loved it. He joined the New York Roadrunners Club, and he later organized New York City's first marathon. But what Fred really enjoyed doing was bringing people together. He believed that anybody should be able to enjoy running, regardless of their age or their background. And that's why today more than 28,000 people from all over the world compete in the New York City Marathon. There were obstacles along the way. There are always, there are always obstacles of, uh, towards achieving any goal that we have. He had obstacles. There was one time when, when the, a New York gang warned Fred that nobody, should, nobody better to be coming through our neighborhood, running through our neighborhood. But that didn't stop him because the route was right through their neighborhood. So what did he do? He got a group of gang members together and he said, you know, I need somebody to protect the runners in this area and you look like just the guys to do it. He gave them a hat and a t-shirt and an official jacket and when the marathon went through their neighborhood, those gang members proudly guarded the runners along the way. Fred was a man with his eyes fixed determinedly on his goals. But there was one race he could not win. In 1990, Fred found out that he had a brain tumor. In 1992, he ran his final race. A bronze statue statue was created of Fred wearing his running clothes and checking his watch. And, And that statue is placed at the finish line of every race now. Fred died in 1994, but as one sports writer said, fate handed him a short race. But with his gall, with his love for life, Fred Lebo turned that short race into a marathon. 
My friends, Fred Lebo showed what an ordinary man with an extraordinary focus can accomplish. And so did Paul. There was nothing that we read about Paul that indicates that he was especially talented or great-looking or impressive in stature. In fact, he had at least one prominent weakness. We don't know exactly what it was, but he calls it his thorn in the flesh. And it could have defeated, it would have defeated many people, I'm sure. But, but Paul deeply influenced the face of mil, the, the, the faith of millions of people. How? It's because Paul's life was entirely focused on serving Christ. But one thing I do, he writes, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul's entire life was focused on serving Christ and there is no stopping anyone with that kind of commitment. Max Lucado, in his book titled The Applause of Heaven, tells about a remarkable man named Robert Reed who had that same kind of focus about his life. But here's the thing about Robert. Robert's hands are twisted, writes Lucado. His feet are useless. He can't bathe himself. He can't feed himself. He can't brush his teeth or comb his hair or put on his underwear. His shirts are held together by Velcro. His speech drags on like a worn-out cassette player. Robert has cerebral palsy. And this disease keeps him from driving a car or riding a bike or taking a walk. But, it, but listen to this, folks. It didn't keep him from graduating from high school. It didn't keep him for, from attending Abilene Christian University. And it didn't keep him uh, from teaching at a St. Louis college or from venturing overseas for five mission trips. And Robert's disease didn't keep him from becoming a missionary to Portugal. He moved to Lisbon, Portugal all by himself in 1972. He rented a hotel room and began studying Portuguese. He found a restaurant owner who would feed him after rush hour. He found a tutor who would teach him the language. He's, and then he stationed himself in a park every single day where he distributed brochures about Christ. And, and within six years, says Lucado, he led 70 people to Christ. You know, people sit around and they complain all the time that they never have the opportunity to do anything meaningful with their lives. They never have the opportunity. Oh, I'd do great things if I had the opportunity. Well, most of us don't have cerebral palsy. And so we really don't have a whole lot to complain about. You see, many of us, what many of us lack is not the ability or the opportunity to accomplish our goals. It's the focus. It's the commitment, especially in our Christian faith. Paul writes, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. 
Many people live ineffective lives because they do not set their priorities. But let me tell you something, folks. Successful living, it's about taking care of the things that matter. Paul's life was focused on serving Christ. And I think that's where we need to focus our lives as well. The Australian coat of arms has the picture of two animals on it. There's the emu and the kangaroo. And I'm told that these two animals, and there are all kinds of animals in Australia that you don't find anywhere else in the world, but I'm told that these particular two animals were chosen for their coat of arms because they share a car- characteristic that appealed to the forefathers of Australia. You see, both the emu and the kangaroo can only move in one direction, forward, never back. The emu's three-toed foot causes it to fall if it tries to move backwards, and the kangaroo can't go backwards because of its big tail. So maybe we need an emu and a kangaroo on our own personal coat of arms. So we'll always move forward. We need a high and lofty goal for our lives, a goal like Paul's that lifts us heavenward that inspires us to do remarkable things because my friends it is only then only then as we have that goal and move towards it that we can become all that God has called us to be so here's my challenge to you today my friends press on press on to the goals that God has given to you Fix your eyes on God's outcome for your life and proceed diligently in its direction. Amen. Let us sing together our closing hymn, number 300, Without Him. Let us stand and join together as we recognize that our lives would be nothing without Him. May the God of peace who raised Christ from the dead strengthen your inner being for every good work. And may the blessing of God Almighty rest upon you and dwell within you. And may the Lord who called you encourage and empower you that you may all press on towards our calling in Christ.
this day and forevermore. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. Thank you.